You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, splashy splurgers, splicing splendors, and splattering splenda. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 233, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your bodacious bodies buying body sprays and body boards <laughs> from bodyguarded bodegas. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. All right, wait, wait, wait. Before we do anything, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right? Okay. Because okay. because I we haven't done this on the show in a while. One of our favorite things to talk about are egg corns. Egg yeah. corns, uh, yeah. of course. Yeah. Not just not just malapropisms, not just using the wrong word, but using the wrong word or phrase in a way that might actually be better than the real word or the real phrase. Uh, for for example, uh, you know, egg corn, the word came from little old lady who called acorns egg corns because she, you know, they're kind of like, they look <laughs> like an egg and a corn. They look like, like sort of a piece of kernel <laughs> corn or like an egg or whatever. So like, it makes like a weird kind of sense. Yeah. What are some of the ones that we've yeah. talked about? Prima Donna, like not Prima Donna, but a pre-Madonna. <laughs> oh! Like she's she's acting yeah, right. so high and mighty, like she see, feels like she should come before Madonna. You know what I mean? That that sort of thing. Oh <laughs> wow, that's funny. A long-running magazine, actually, the new scientist uh just tweeted a couple of days ago about a foolproof solution. F-U-L-L dash it's foolproof. Yeah, it's, it's not half proof. proof. <laughs> it's a foolproof solution. But the one that I wanted to talk about was one that a listener brought up uh, actually recently in the Good Job Brain Facebook group, which I thought was really good. Somebody talked about a show, they, a TV show, or maybe a Netflix program that was so good. They sat down and bench watched the whole thing. <laughs> Like, bench watching. <laughs> like I, I sat not binge watching, which is the actual term. I bench watched it. Like I sat on the bench and watched didn't it. And never didn't get up <laughs> off the bench. Exactly, just bench oh, watching. Wow. Myself to watch this. So yes, we every every now and again we like to do egg corn watch. So continue to submit your egg corns. As the parent of a toddler, yeah, this I know this is not exactly the same thing. Toddlerisms. She has her magnifying glass, but she calls it her finding glass. And I'm like, oh, oh, that sure. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you use it to find yeah. things. Yeah. Why well, not? I had when my when my son was probably three years old. We were going to Disneyland. I'm like, he's like, oh, I need to put on sunscreen. And I'm like, sunscreen. And he's like, he goes, he goes, no, sunscreen. I'm like, no, it's sunscreen. And he goes, you know what? We're both right. I'm like, yeah. Goes, well, I said, you know, it, it screens out the rays of the sun. He goes, yeah. And it's a cream that stays on you. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sunscreen it is. My kid called his elbow his elbow. Which I think mm. happens to people. The elbow, because it, it, yeah, yeah sure. it makes yeah. so much sense. Oh, makes an L. It's an L. Yeah. And it's a bone. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's an egg corn. <laughs> yeah. Some of the things, some of the things people submit, not egg corns. Not egg corns. That's pure. That's yeah. just malapropism. That's just using the wrong word. This has to make a, a weird kind of sense. Well, in updates land, uh, we I know we just had egg corn watch. Um, I have lobster watch, lobster <laughs> updates, <laughs> lobster <laughs> dates. It's, it's going to sound so ridiculous. So I was talking to my mom on FaceTime. She was telling me about like, oh, and so-and-so and is, is selling a house in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Hmm. 
and you know, she's telling me this and I'm like, wait, why does that place sound so familiar? And then my mom, without any delay, followed up with their red lobster is the best red lobster I've ever had oh, in the oh. country. Wow. And she goes, it's across from Lowe's. Like, as if I know where <laughs> this red lobster is. Yeah. A couple episodes ago, I talked about someone finding the rare blue lobster at ah. Red Lobster. It is at this one at Cuyahoga Falls wow. that my mom is a very big fan of. The one across of. from Lowe's. It's right across the <laughs> They need a little uh, plaque on the wall. I know. And I told her, I told her the story. I was like, you know, they found a rare blue lobster at Red Lobster. <laughs> and then just a couple days ago, Kellen Freeman on Twitter tweeted at, at Good Job Brain and said, we stopped by the Akron Zoo and saw the blue lobster and a picture of the blue lobster oh. in the tank from the Cuyahoga Falls. It's red really, lobster. Really, it's really oh. blue. It's Isn't bl- that it's crazy? Stunning. It's stunning. It's a beautiful, beautiful animal. <laughs> yeah. Her name is Claude. But yeah, so some some updates on, on the blue lobster for some reason all kind of converged. <laughs> Without further ado, it's time for our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. Okay, right hand or, or left hand? I got two cards here. Ooh, uh, left hand. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Blue wedge for geography. Which region of the United Kingdom is not part of Great Britain? (laughs) Chris. Which region of the United Kingdom is not part of Great Britain? Northern Ireland. Mm. Correct. Okay. All right. Okay. Pink wedge. Which pesky creature became an internet favorite after it was filmed dragging a slice of pizza down subway <laughs> stairs in New York. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dana. <laughs> pizza rat. A rat. Pizza rat. Video shot by <laughs> friend of the show, Pat Bear. Shout out to Pat Bear. That was him? That was him. He's the one on the video going, get it, rat. Get it. That's Pat. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. There he is. Yeah. Get it, rat. Oh my god. Right. Uh next question, Yellow Wedge. Who beat eBay Titan Meg Whitman in the 2010 California guberna- gubernatorial race, even though she dropped a record $140 million on her campaign? Once again, who beat eBay mm-hmm. Titan Meg Whitman in the 2010 California gubern gubernatorial? Gubernatorial. No. Gubernatorial, gubernatorial race. Why so hard to say? Sounds like weird. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like goo goo clusters. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, even though she <laughs> dropped a record, 140 million dollars on her campaign. So who won? Yeah. Who so who beat the... who beat Meg Whitman? Dana. Uh, was that Jerry Brown? It is Jerry yeah. Brown. Correct, Jerry Brown. All right, yeah. Purple Wedge. Who wrote? Here's the book title. It takes a village and other lessons children teach us. Colin. I, I believe that was Hillary Clinton. Yes, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Yep. Hillary yeah. Clinton published in, published in 2006 while she was first lady. Mm. Wait, she wasn't first lady then, was she? 2006? Did it say 2006? What does the card say? Oh, did uh, we find a... Trivial pursuit error? What is the, yeah, can you read the, read it again? Okay, so it says, who, the, the question was, who wrote It Takes a Village and Other Lessons Children Teach Us? Hmm. The answer is Hillary Clinton. And then the note here says, published in 2006, while she was first lady. 
No, it was published in 1996 while she was first lady. <laughs> Laura Bush probably has something to say about that. Yeah, 1996. Yeah, right? This is uh, 10 years oh. off. Oh, good catch, Dana. <gasps> All right. Green Wedge for science. Which office staple was invented by Art Fry in 1974 because he was tired of his bookmarks slipping out of his hymnal at church? Once Wait, again, okay. I'll read again. again. Which office staple was invented by Art Fry in 1974 because he was tired of his bookmarks slipping out of his hymnal at church. Chris. The post-it note. Yes, mm. post-it mm-hmm. notes. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 3M launched the three-inch square canary yellow sticky notes in 1980. Mm. Should I double-check this year, too? <laughs> All right, last question, Orange Wedge. Which sport includes the player positions of gully, square leg, and mid wicket? <laughs> uh, that was a horse, Colin. Uh, cricket. It is yeah. cricket, mm. gully, square leg, and mid wicket. I was a little adrift until you got to the mid wicket. Exactly. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep, for sure. At first, I thought it was like a pirate sport. Yeah, it's like, a what pi- pirate sport could there be? Yeah. Cannonball. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> ah. Hey. All right. Good job, brains. Well, guys, I just uh won yet another radio call in trivia oh my goodness. the other day. <laughs> yeah. These poor radio operators, they're like, oh, it's <laughs> it's her again. Yeah. But I wait. I wait. I wait for the 30 days. And yeah. um it was this time was pretty cool. It's for tickets to like the Art of the Brick, which is a Lego exhibition, like an art exhibit. And then the trivia part on the show was was all questions about eighties toys. <laughs> it's like I was like, oh, okay, well, what put was that in my tally. Oh, the question was, who is the greatest American hero? Uh, what toy comes with a birth certificate and adoption uh, papers? Okay. That's a good question. Um, but yeah. Just yeah, classic. Okay. They're okay. they're not okay. you know they're not entirely very yeah. hard, but I think when you're under you know under a, a, a time limit, it's like kind of like stressful. Can I tell um, you, I commute an hour before you do, and the quiz show I listen to in the morning, I've never heard anyone win. Really? Is it hard? It's 10 questions in a minute. Is it hard? It's not that hard, but you do have to like move through the questions really quickly. Mm. But I, I want to hear you do it. I do it in the car with my kid when I'm driving him to school. So far, he's he's awarded me four thousand dollars. <laughs> I can do it myself, but I also have to like get him to school. So. So with that in mind, we're going to dedicate this week's topic to competitions, to contests, to rivalries. So this week, we're up for some friendly competition. So I'm going to kick us off this week with a quiz I made about food competitions. Yes! All right, here we go. Uh, it's our contests, reality shows, etc. You'll see. Here we go, guys. <laughs> here we go. Oh. <laughs> I'm so excited. So get your barnyard buzzers ready. All right. And let's get cooking. Um, first question. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you get nice. it? Ah, okay, here we go. First question. It said that the reason hamburger buns have sesame seeds on them is because of the 1954 winner of which American baking contest? 
1954 winner. American Bake Off yeah. contest. Yes, Karen. Pillsbury. Yes, the Pillsbury yeah! Bake Off. Yes. Wow. All it's right. huge. It's huge uh, so, and very influential. So Dorothy Cotine was the winner in 1954 with her open sesame pie. Uh, and before that, people didn't use sesame seeds that much for cooking. They used sesame oil, but not the seeds very much. Oh. And then I think just media was so limited. I was looking around. And I was like, wow, everybody got really into sesame seeds because of this contest. But yes, they like were flying off the shelf and people started putting them on crackers and breads and pastries oh. there's different different people have put sesame seeds on buns don't get me wrong but that was like when sesame seeds Came became into... the hot new thing the fad which <laughs> become Pillsbury. all right next question which extremely soothing baking competition show might contain moments where they discuss soggy bottoms and the coveted paul <laughs> hollywood handshake Sounds like everybody. Chris. I'll, I'll say Chris. I invite everyone <laughs> to say it with me. The, the Great British, British Bake, Bake Off. Off. They have different names, yeah. though. What's What's the U.S. name for it? Great British Baking Show. That's right. And yeah. you know why? Because Pillsbury owns the copyright <gasps> to Bake Off. Is so that right? Oh, yes. Really? That's really good. Yeah. You yeah. gotta pay the doughboy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. Which state claims to not just be the home of chili, but also the home of the very first chili cook-off? Huh. I mean... What? What, Chris? Like, I'm gonna say Texas? Yeah. Texas. Okay, alright, uh, sure. So the first chili cook-off was 1967 in Terlinga, Texas. And um, San Antonio, Texas claims to be the birthplace of chili. Chili yeah. con carne existed before this. Yes, <laughs> but... Yeah. It's hard to get the receipts, the paper, the paper trail. <laughs> the receipts. You're it's like, a CBS uh, okay, receipt. Okay. Yeah. You guys are really insistent. So I'll say, okay, yes, yes, Texas. Um, Always throw in the claims to there. You're fine. That's all. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to worry about it. All right, next question. The Iron Chef, a show in which guest chefs challenge one of the show's Iron Chefs to a cook-off, is originally from which country? Karen. Japan. Japan. On the show, the Iron Chefs had specialties uh, mm-hmm. on the Japanese. Oh, do you know what, what specialties they had? Like yeah, what? there's uh, Chef Kenichi, who is the Chinese cuisine. He's the, the prince of Seishuan cooking, I believe. There's always a Japanese chef. They change. Sometimes it's Morimoto. Um, yeah. And then there is the French chef, which is Hiroyuki Sakai. Mm. And then sometimes they have like a special guest Italian chef. Yes. Masa, oh, his, his last name is Kobe, I think. Yeah. Okay. So Karen has a PhD in Iron Chef. <laughs> but, but. So I grew up watching the, the Japanese version. And then mm-hmm. when I came to the States, that was like when the popularity was like about, you know, was really kind of gaining steam. And they have mm-hmm. the dub version, the mm-hmm, English dub version, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I enjoy way that that is my preferred format the english dub is so dramatic and it's so funny it's like as if they're like dubbing an anime yeah those are the ones that i fell in love with oh i love it i love it yeah uh, and I, I did the math, and the Iron Chefs from the Japanese version had a win rate of like 76%. So wow. it's like you could win. You probably were not going to win, but you could. That's respectable. Be That's yeah. respectable. Okay. From season two onward, Padma Lakshmi has been the host of which popular cooking competition show? Karen. Top Chef. Top Chef. And it's going to start its 19th season soon. 
a current season right now? Is that the 19th season? Oh, did it start? Yes, yeah, I think yeah, it said March. It just started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a, a Oakland person. Oh, awesome! Yeah. I root for them. I hope they win. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. The next question is, which next Food Network star winner is associated with Hunt and Ride Wine, Donkey Sauce, and Flavor Town? Oh, oh. <laughs> I think I heard Karen. Um, I think we all know it is the irreplaceable Guy yes. Fieri. Guy Fieri. And I watched that show. The show, like, basically, it was like Star Search for for the next Food Network star. I was really, I was really obsessed with Food Network uh, for a while there, and it was very clear since episode one. You're like, this guy, this guy's gonna yeah. win. Mm. Like he, he's just very charismatic and like knows how to kind of multitask, and you can just see. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure the the execs were like, yeah. He had a quote and it was something like, you know, some people are just born to cook and talk. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's his deal. He's just <laughs> cook and it's talk. really hard. Yeah. 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 We should go up north. I mean, I think he's from Santa Rosa. Yeah. He has a winery in Hillsburg. Yeah. Donkey wine? No, it's Hunt and Ride. They're his son's oh, hunter son. and rider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, guy, we might want to ease back a little bit on the donkey the branding donkey. on just everything. You know, it's yeah, a couple things here and there, but it's an aesthetic. Yeah. I almost I almost was gonna ask you who has more um competitive cooking shows, Gordon Ramsay or Guy Fieri. But the problem is, I couldn't tell. They, they have so many shows between the yeah. two of them. Oh, right. Yeah. And it was Guys, like, one would pull games. ahead, and then yeah. the other one, I'd find like a real obscure thing that they did. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a, a actually minefield. So instead, I want to ask you, can you name mm, three Gordon Ramsay's competitive cooking shows? Like, where mm. he's actually judging people. I know Chris, Chris is a Ramsey fan. Oh, where he's oh, where oh, 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 oh. Master Chef, um, uh-huh. Hell's Kitchen, US, but um, not UK. Oh, sorry, Master Chef US, Master yeah. Chef Junior US, mm-hmm. Ma- uh, Hell's Kitchen, and uh, Next Level Chef, which we just finished watching. Oh, there might be, I'm sure there's more, but that's I just gave you four. We but, watched, but I that- forget the name of it. But it's like Gordon Ramsay and two other chefs go on vacation around Europe, and they like. Yeah. drive in a van together and stuff like that hilarious really good travel log i also found the f word it is yes, the f word is F-word. food but he does curse and they don't bleep it on some of the later seasons right. so oh yeah in that one people are competing to add a dish to his restaurant so you said hell's kitchen u.s master chef u.s master chef junior u.s ramsey's best restaurant gordon oh. ramsey's future food stars Master Chef Celebrity Family Showdown, wow. and Next Level Chef, and I I really think they're more than this. But I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I give up. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Every two years since 1987, the World Cooking Contest or the Bacuse d'Or has been held in Lyon, France. Um, chefs from around the world are selected to compete in a very elaborate and prestigious contest. They kind of call it the Olympics of Gastronomy. There's a mm. lot of honor on the line and like a bit of money i think they invest more money than they win but anyway it's a big deal (laughs) uh which country has won the gold most times it's happened 18 times so far which country wins i heard a dog bark first karen i'm gonna guess uh i'll just get the hot the spicy guess out of the way which is japan no oh all right well uh let's let's make it official here okay colin 
It, is it France? It is France. They oh, won, right. they won okay. eight, right. 18 times of the last 18 competitions. And people are salty about that. There, <laughs> there is like, oh, is this the home field advantage happening? Can you guess how many times the U.S. has won? Just take a guess. Uh, one. Yes, yeah. Zero. one time. Oh, one. one time. Uh. <laughs> it was in 2017. Are we sending Guy Fieri? Are we sending Guy Fieri? Because are we sending our maybe, best? Or are we really, you know, <laughs> is this a dream game here? Or, you know? One time Spain spent like a million euros <gasps> on their stuff. And I think you win just like 20,000 euros max. It is like the cost benefit. The I don't know. They didn't win. They spent a yeah. million dollars. They didn't win. Didn't didn't Taiwan just win some big competition? Baking. Baking. Uh, okay. Okay. Good job, you guys. So recently on the show, now we talked about the Guinness Book of World Records, and I, it was sort of in passing, we talked about how there's like some awards that um, they don't give out anymore, mm-hmm. or like they don't, they don't, they don't mm-hmm. run these awards anymore. And we kind of, we put it in the category of uh, fattest cat awards, like just yeah. awards <laughs> where like that encourage people to engage in bad behavior or worse, yeah. like voice that bad behavior on an innocent animal you know so it's just stuff that we don't want to encourage people to do anymore here's one that i found in the guinness book of world records 1907 i'm just going to jump to the most egregious one i swear to god this is the name of the guinness world record that appears in many books um uh as recently as officially here officially this is the official i'm going to tell you most alcoholic person what most alcoholic person and it says it is recorded that a hard drinker named van horn 1750 to 1811 born in london england averaged more than four bottles of ruby port per day for 23 years prior to his death at 61 he is believed to have emptied thirty-five thousand six hundred and eighty-eight bottles. He, we yeah. win, most alcoholic person. <laughs> the the worst reported case of compulsive swallowing uh, described oh. a woman with two thousand five hundred and thirty-three objects in her stomach, including nine hundred and forty-seven oh. bent pins. Oh, no. My God. One of the worst was um, the uh, the Guinness World Record for youngest person ever to walk on white hot coals of 400. Oh, no. Like how how old were they? Just yeah. for eleven years old, and he was curiosity. like he was a performer um, at a hotel, like a firewalk thing at a hotel in Fiji. And but it's just like I think the I mean the Guinness okay. Book of World Records at this point clearly felt like they were just simply observers of things that were happening, and they weren't influencing people, you know, to go do it. But it's like eventually, I think they realized like, oh wait. If yeah. we make this an award, somebody mm-hmm. is going to say, 11 years old, I have a 10-year-old right here and a bunch of charcoal briquettes. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's this award go, now, Johnny. right? Get them in the <laughs> yeah. book. Um, because the book is Guinness, so it was like for drinking, right? Like little drinking bets. Yeah, I believe that yeah. the original history was like, in part to help settle, you know, bar wagers. And it was a nice thing for them to sponsor, you know, I see. because I yeah, see. they, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now there is like an extensive list on the site of 
these are things that we do not do. And so anything, I mean, first of all, anything that involves people, I think younger than 16 years old, yeah. they simply yeah. do not even do any of it anymore right. because it's just like, because of the potential danger to children, things mm-hmm. that could harm yourself, things that could harm the environment, da, 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 da. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so there's a lot of stuff now, you know, before you, before you attempt any Guinness world records, you should look to see because there's a lengthy list of things that they no longer even yeah. tackle. Put down that, uh, put down those four bottles of port. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was also kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of getting weird. Let me, let me also look here at um, a few examples of Guinness world record attempts that went really bad in a really oh. funny way. So okay. that's kind of where in I a landed. Funny way. I, I want to bring things up a little bit before I take yeah. them way back down again. Um, <laughs> so in, in 2008 at the international food and health festival in, in Tehran in Iran, uh, chefs all got together to attempt to break the record of the world's longest sandwich. Okay. 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 They put together reportedly a 1500 meter long, uh (laughs) ostrich meat sandwich okay that's that's almost five thousand feet at at, that would be twenty five thousand dollars worth of five dollar footlongs subway um (laughs) they had invited thousands of people to come eat the sandwich when they were to watch and then like also eat a piece of sandwich when they were done and uh Uh international news was there you know to, to document the attempt and everything like that the government was there because the Guinness, the Guinness observers don't go to everything, but like they will take like if if a government authority or something like that like measures it and shows them like okay, well this this is how we did the measurements mm. and you know Here then they'll accept that you know if it's all very well documented. It's hard to say exactly what happened uh, or who gave the go ahead or where the miscommunication was, <laughs> but either way, everybody <laughs> agrees um, that uh, all the thousands of people there. Uh, just started eating the sandwich before they could measure. Oh no! no. <laughs> so they ate the record sandwich with no record. Uh. With it, well, I mean, they didn't get the record. I don't think because they ate the sandwich. <laughs> so that was bad. Um, another good thing that happened once was an attempt at the uh, the longest free fall. Um, of the longest, like you know, you do a skydive and you free fall for the longest period of time. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember, remember, remember the Red Bull thing from 2012. The guy Felix Baumgartner. Yeah, it was everybody yeah. watched this on the internet. Yeah, he literally like was up in like like space. I mean, by the time you get as high as he was, he was in the stratosphere. He was in space, and he jumped out of the thing and oh my free God. fall back to Earth. And then pulled his parachute and landed on his feet, right? That was a 128,000 foot jump. Set the free fall record, right? Red Bull logos all over himself. But what I want to talk about is a guy named Michel Fournier, who at 64 years old was going to set the free fall record in 2008 or attempt to. This is in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. News media is there. Cameras are there. He's like, I'm going to jump from a height of 130,000 feet. I'm going to break the free fall record, okay? He doesn't die. He does not die in the story. Do not worry. Okay. We're all so yeah. tense. The way he was going to get the height was he was going to take the helium balloon, which was attached to a gondola. He was going to ride in the gondola up in the helium balloon. He had spent millions of dollars, by the way, personally financing this and other attempts that, that you oh, know, man. either didn't pan out for whatever reasons. Massive helium balloon was going to raise the gondola up. He gets the height. He jumps out. He does the, he does the jump. So, they get there, 
They start inflating the big helium balloon. Balloon begins to inflate. Good, good, good. Balloon begins to go up into the sky. Excellent. Fine. Balloon continues to go up in the sky and continues on up and up. And up it goes because it's uh, accidentally, it's not actually attached uh, to the gondola for some reason anymore. (laughs) And the balloon flies away. And they all just sort of watch it like there it goes. And now importantly, I want to say this balloon cost (laughs) $400,000. Oh my God. This was not even one. This is not a party city balloon. This is like, yeah. So he, he did not make another attempt. There was no backup balloon. They just inflated it and just like, well, bye. This was a a cheap mistake. This was a cheap mistake because he could have lost his life doing this. That's true. That's very true. That's true. Yeah, it had it had it separated accidentally before. Yeah, that's right. That's such a that's such a mom observation, Dana. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'm becoming (laughs) such a mom. (laughs) Really, anyway. We can we can always replace the balloon. That's right. People are precious. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of balloons, the I think the worst Guinness record fail of all <laughs> time. Worse. It has the pleasant name, and I'm so excited to introduce you all to, um, and there's there's going to be some people out there like, oh, I know about this. It uh, has the name of Balloon Fest 86. Okay. Balloon <laughs> Fest Sounds great. 86. <laughs> now, before we get to Balloon Fest 86, to truly understand Balloon Fest 86, the mentality behind Balloon Fest 86, <laughs> we have to just jump back a little bit less than a year, to Skyfest 85. Skyfest 1985. <laughs> okay. 85. Okay. These are great t-shirts, by the way. Oh, they are. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have the t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. 1985 was the 30th anniversary of Disneyland, the Disneyland Park in Anaheim. Oh. And the, the city of Anaheim, California, were like, we're going to do something amazing for Disneyland. We are going to have the we're going to set the Guinness world record for the biggest simultaneous balloon launch, the biggest launch of, of helium balloons into the air at the same time. Oh, that's not good. Uh, no, but no. it was the mid eighties. You could just do whatever. They didn't know. Yeah, it was. Well, I'll get to a little bit of the, the environmental stuff, but the previous record had been set in Japan in 1984 was 384,000 balloons. So on December 5th, 1985, what they did at Skyfest 85 right up in front of Disneyland, they put into the air simultaneously 1,209,000 balloons. <gasps> and all the balloons had been sorted by color into these big uh, oh. transparent plastic tubes. And so when they launched them, what essentially happened at the same time is this sort of like massive rainbow of balloons. Oh, you know, like all the colors are separated up the bands. I mean, they obviously start blending together, but they're separated enough so that it's this very colorful, vibrant hmm. rainbow of balloons takes to the sky and floated, and they float away. Now, <laughs> people had asked the question, like, where do they go? Where do they go? Well, latex... <laughs> Technically, latex is biodegradable, so it does right. it does actually degrade and break down. Eventually, it's not plastic. Um, and basically, they, they were pretty sure that what was going to happen is uh, the wind was going to carry them into the Nevada desert, where they would land eventually and biodegrade. Um, and that seems to be what happened. Like there was there were nothing with the the Disney balloons. It's like they yeah they went everywhere, but like they they spread out so much, and they within yeah. weeks they would be essentially gone. Um, so we now come to Balloon Fest 86. Here we are. What, September what 1986. It it's the city of Cleveland, Ohio. 
And the city uh-huh. of Cleveland, Ohio was like, you know what? To heck with Walt Disney. Let's, well, the city of Cleveland was like kind of on the rise. Like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was kind of getting going. This, this They wanted something to really boost the morale of the citizens yeah, yeah, yeah. of Cleveland. Cleveland's nickname um, had been for a long time, the mistake on the lake. Um, okay. This Wait, kind of like, real? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not like not an official nickname, but people called mm-hmm. it the mistake on the lake. It was just sort of like depressed little city yeah, on, the, yeah. on Lake uh, Erie, yeah. and it was just yeah. like they were just like, let's get out of that funk. Let's let's get that reputation. Let's break the Guinness World Record. <laughs> let's do what Disney didn't. Let's launch 1.5 million balloons into the air shattering the record the united way the united way the charity the united way they they put this on it was a big fundraiser for the united way all right so you we've all been to anaheim california to go to disneyland and we generally know that in any given day in anaheim like you can pretty much count on like the weather it's gonna be pretty nice and if it's not Mm -hmm. great one day it'll it'll be fine the next day. So when they launched the the balloons in in Anaheim, you know they launched these balloons into the beautiful clear sky and they floated away. by. Now Cleveland, Ohio, in September, the weather is maybe a little bit less predictable. Now and there had in fact uh, prior to the morning of September twenty seven, there had actually been a little bit of a storm the night before, which had caused some of the balloons to get loose prematurely and. The rain had abated, <laughs> but they knew it was going to start raining later in the afternoon. They planned to release the balloons a little bit later in the afternoon, but they knew it was going to be raining. So instead of like, you know, pushing it back or whatever, they pushed the launch earlier in the day. Uh, and at 1.50 p.m., a couple hours before they were going to do it, they let go uh, the one about 1.4 million balloons, which were in these big nets in the middle of downtown uh, Cleveland. So, okay, so the balloons get loose from the net. They all go up in the air. These balloons have not been separated into colors. They're all just in one big clump. Um, if you're right in the middle of it, you see the colorful balloons. But if you're far away or look at pictures of this, it just looks brown. Like, because they're all the colors just blend together. And they all just come up out of one net. So, and they're sort of, they're sort of puffing up. Oh, no. And it just looks like, it looks like a big brown mushroom cloud, basically. <laughs> like it, it looks, it looks like impending danger. You know what I mean? <laughs> against, it's like... And it's all against an overcast gray sky. It does not look impressive. The TV, there's TV footage of this happening, and one of the TV announcers, because the whole thing is super rah rah. It's just the TV announcer actually says, "There is no mistake on the lake anymore. Cleveland has broken the Guinness Book of <laughs> World Records, one and a half million, and they're all going up." And it's like, okay, fine, and everything is great in Cleveland, Ohio, for like a minute, because <laughs> typically what happens is you let a balloon go and it flies. Very high up into the air. But the storm, the cool air and the storm and the pressure system, you know, everything that's kind of happening takes all the balloons and just plops them right back down onto onto Cleveland (laughs) and onto Lake Erie. It just, it just, they just, they just come down. So like balloons, 1.5 million (laughs) balloons come down in the city. They don't rise up. They come down and they come down into Lake Erie. The balloons 
cause car crashes because there's oh, cars yeah. driving around in the city and suddenly balloons are everywhere. crashing into each other. Um, an airport had to shut down a runway because it was covered in balloons. Balloons landed in somebody's horse pasture on their farm and it's they had expensive arabian horses like the real expensive kind of horses and they spook all the horses and the horses get injured because the horses are freaking out because balloons are coming down on them and the worst part of this whole thing this is actually where it does not get funny but i cannot mention it without telling this story and so it's sad there had been a storm the night before, as I said. Well, just prior to that storm, there were, there were fishermen. There were two fishermen who took their boat out on Lake Erie. And I think during the storm, they had disappeared. And at this point, there was a, a an effort, a Coast Guard effort to find these guys <gasps> somewhere oh, in the no. lake. First of all, they're flying helicopters and the balloons are kind of hovering. So the helicopters are like, like, one of the pilots was like, it was like trying to fly through an asteroid field because oh all God. the balloons are everywhere, coming from everywhere. And what are they doing? They're looking down at Lake Erie to see if they can see something that looks like a person's head. Because if they're in a life jacket, they would be floating on the surface of the water with their head above water to see if oh there's any survivors. God. But... There's balloon. If you watch video footage, the lake is just covered in balloons. So, it, but they all look like a person's head floating on the surface of the water from the from where they are in the helicopters. They can't find. If the guys were down there, they couldn't find them. They were not able to rescue them. And like the there were law. I mean, there were lawsuits, and all the lawsuits yeah. were against the charity United Way that had put that had done this and put this on oh, and man. made the decision to launch the balloons yeah. anyway and didn't take weather into account. And so they end yeah. up actually losing money on the whole thing because all the money that they had brought in the charitable donations and stuff like that all went, went out paying like the wife of one of the guys who wasn't able to be rescued on Lake Erie oh, or the God. lady in the horses and all that kind of stuff. It was a big disaster but they got the guinness world record for the <laughs> biggest balloon launch ever wow. uh but today if you go to the guinness world records website and you look at the lengthy list of stuff they don't do there is a line that is like we do not accept environmentally impactful records such as mm. the largest oh. release of party balloons yep oh man so that record is Good. gonna stand yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's littering, if nothing else. Like no. it is yeah. it's a bunch of garbage everywhere. <laughs> yeah. There's there was a thing for the Anaheim one, and it was just like one of the news reports ended the final line of the report, which was of course was very much and it was incredible and you know, just leaving us with the question, who's gonna clean that all up? And it's like, uh -huh. that is a really good question. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something that a journalist a should go ask somebody. <laughs> yeah. If only there was one around. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from Bayer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm not LeVar Burton. You're listening to Good Job Brain, but you don't have to take my word for it. We're back. You're listening to Good Job Brain. And this week we're talking about competitions and contests. And I got a quiz segment for you guys about rivalries, about corporate rivalries, about number ones, number twos, uh, maybe some companies going attacking each other a little bit. Um, So this will be a write down quiz. Okay. Question number one from 2006 to 2009. Apple had a series of commercials starring personified versions of Mac and PC. What actor played Mac and what actor played PC? Mm-hmm. From 2006 to 2009, Apple had a series of commercials starring personified versions of Mac and PC. What actor played Mac and what actor played PC? We all good. Yeah. All right. Answers up. Colin put John Hodgman, PC, Justin Long, Mac. Correct. Uh, Dana, Justin Long, John Hodgman. Correct. Chris is correct. Justin Long and John Hodgman. I thought John Hodgman was going to be the hard one, but I guess he really, you know. It's Mr. Podcast. Yeah, he's he's a podcast personality now. All right. Next question. Please complete the sentence. This is a tagline, an advertising tagline. Genesis does what blank? Genesis does what blank? It is a, what do you call it? A con- contraction? Mm. So it is one so, word, but there's like an apostrophe. It's a portmanteau. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Genesis does what? Here we go. Nintendon't. Nintendon't and Chris Nintendo. Genesis does what Nintendo. Obviously, Sega is trying to push the Genesis and trying to uh, tout its features. In Japan, like they don't really, uh, they don't do attack ads. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they don't like 
they don't do that sort of thing. And so, yeah, for them to do it in America and get the approval of Japan to do it was kind of a kind of a thing. All right. Next question. Based on the number of locations, the top five coffee shop chains have Starbucks and Dunkin' as number one and number two. The other three spots are coffee chains not based in the U.S. If you can, please name all three of them. But one point for you. Based on the number of locations, and we're not including McDonald's or McCafe. We're we're talking about just coffee shop specialty chains. The top five has Starbucks and Dunkin' as number one and two. The other three spots are coffee chains not based in the U.S. Please name them. I I speak for us that we can all probably name one One. from our uh, neighbor Mm -hmm. here, perhaps. Uh, But beyond that, it gets a little tricky for me. It does get get hard. Hmm. I'll tell Um, you. So one of them is Korean and one of them is UK. Okay. um, Top five coffee shops uh, in the world based on number of locations. We have Starbucks number one, Dunkin' number two. The other three spots are coffee chains not based in the U.S. All right. Answers up, please. Mm. Oh, my God. This is very exciting. Colin, you put Tim Hortons. Ding, 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 ding. Tim Hortons from Canada. Dana's got the U.K. one. Is Costa. Costa Coffee. Oh, And Tim Hortons and Dana guessed Caffey House. (laughs) Incorrect. Chris, what are what are your answers? I put so I put Tim Hortons. Um, Mm -hmm. I I guess I'm like, what do I know about Korea? I guess Paris Baguette because like I know they're from Korea. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I got to put down something. And then I put Coffee King, you know, for the UK because they're a monarchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Congratulations. It is Paris Baguette. Paris wow. Baguette. Oh, really? Really? Yes. Wow. Based on the number of global locations, oh, they are goodness. a coffee shop chain. Paris Baguette. Yep. Oh, based my in gosh. Korea. I saw one in uh, in Vegas when we were there. Yeah. They're everywhere wow. here. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them here. I, I had no a, idea. There's a trivia lesson Good here, which is that. Job. And sometimes we have done this where it's like, Oh, well, I know Paris Baguette is Korean, but that's not a coffee house, so I'm not going to put it down. You know what I mean? It's like, put it down. Put it down. Don't censor yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I cannot hang with this crew here. Nice. Costa. Yeah. Very international. Another food question. What fast food company debuted a sandwich and touted that it opened on Sundays, unlike its competitor? (laughs) What fast food company debuted a sandwich and touted that it opened on Sundays, oh, unlike its competitor? So I want the I want the name of the place that is open on Sunday, not, not the, the one right, that is closed right, right. on Sunday. Okay. Answers up. Okay. Uh, Popeyes, Popeyes, Popeyes. Correct. Clean sweep. Yeah. It is Popeyes. Uh, their <laughs> okay. chicken sandwich. Right. Just, I think, within the past couple of years. I associate it with the start of COVID. (laughs) Yes, people lining up to get the chicken sandwich um, because famously Chick-fil-A, due to religious reasons, is closed on Sundays. And so Popeye's kind of capitalized on that and was like, we're open on Sundays. Also, we have also a chicken sandwich. Um, (laughs) Come give us your money. Um, All right, here we go. Next question. The major film... Ford versus Ferrari was, you know, about the real rivalry between Ford and Ferrari and uh, all set to the prestigious race of Le Mans. Le Mans. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. Le Mans. It's the Le Mans race uh, in the 1960s. So Ford did win and actually Ford won another four times with what kind of car? 
The major film Ford versus Ferrari was based on true events about the Le Mans, uh, Ford and Ferrari rivalry in the 1960s. Ford did win and won another four times with what kind of car? Sorry, you're looking for the model of a like the name brand model. Of I, a need, car or I need, I need the, of car? I need the model. We don't need to know the make because the make is Ford. Okay, right. We well, want a model. Okay, okay. Model T. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, sure. Yeah. The Ford what hmm. is the car? Hmm. Oh man, hmm. I'm torn. I'm torn between two answers. The American company coming in to the European mm-hmm. motorsport and then winning answers. Uh, I'm gonna say the Mustang just because it's so closely associated with Shelby. I I couldn't think of any models of Ford car, but Focus. I'm pretty sure the Ford. (laughs) I I, I don't know. And then uh, Dana put Corvette. The answer is the GT40, the Ford Uh, GT40, designed by Shelby. Shelby. Yeah, I just I I didn't think it was the Mustang because that just seemed like it'd be too easy, but. Yeah, like Chris, I kind of, my mind just went blank there. I got what's another Ford? Okay, oh, Chevrolet did Corvette. No, but I was just like, I knew an American company randomly did Corvette. I'm not a gearhead, obviously, but um, I'm really impressed by by gearhead. Like they are trivia people in their own world for sure. My husband, he would he would see a close up of like a little part of the car. He goes, "Oh, that's the blah 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 blah." But they changed it in this year, and it's like, what? Yeah. you're crazy <laughs> my our favorite game is like you know comedians and cars with coffee it's yeah. like a little montage and like i try to time him like how quickly can he recognize and identify the oh, car that's good that's oh, good he's yeah. really good at it okay all right next question in the 2000s can soup companies progresso and campbell's went at each other uh, via ad campaigns over what ingredient i'll say it again in the 2000s Canned soup companies Progresso mm, 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 mm. and Campbell's went at each other via ad campaigns over what ingredient? Okay. All right. Answers up, please. Colin says noodles. Oh, Dana one. says chicken. Chris, you said? I said chicken. I felt like it was it was like the chicken noodle soup thing, but it was like you have more chicken in the chicken noodle soup. I don't know. The answer is MSG. Oh, oh, it's oh. MSG. So it's not about like I have more of it. It's more like you have more. Of it. <laughs> oh um, no! Okay, it, which is really funny. I mean, MSG was such a <laughs> it was such a weird worry. Uh, it was back then. It was. It really. And was. now it's like everybody's like, "Oh, umami, yes, umami," and it's like that's MSG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. According to data collected by Variety VIP Plus in uh, the end of 2021, Netflix is the number one streaming service uh, based on global subscribers. What is number two? Hmm. Based on the oh, end gosh. of when. 2021 so it would still hold true i mean i think looking at these numbers it's probably impossible to Mm -hmm. change that much um Hmm. interesting netflix is the number one streaming service what is number two all right answers up please chris you put uh amazon prime video dana put amazon prime Colin put HBO Max. It is Amazon Prime. Good job. I wasn't sure if that would count or not. Yeah, I should have just trusted myself. 
because there are people are already subscribed. Yeah, to yeah. I should have just yeah, yeah. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink that's, it. That's part of the whole strategy. Yeah, that's why they got so many. So, yeah, <laughs> people didn't originally want to subscribe to the Netflix service. They just wanted their DVDs, right? So it was yeah, sort of like an true. extra thing you got. Yeah. Next question: What two countries were involved in the 1976 Judgment of Paris? The event name is called Judgment of Paris. It happened in 1976 between two countries. What two countries were involved in the 1976 Judgment of Paris? Interesting. There's a big moment. Uh, in what arena? You can't tell us. In, in an arena I know you are familiar with based on what you did for this episode. Oh, okay. Mm, huh. All right. Answers up. Two countries. All right. All right. Rivalry. Uh, Colin put France, Italy. Dana also put France, Italy. Chris put France, U.S. It is France, U.S. Chris got the oh. point. Well, everybody mm. gets oh. a, a point for France. Okay. I believe it was wine tasting, and it was when a, like a California uh, wine upset a French uh, wine in France. Is that it? Taste test between Napa Sonoma, you know, Northern California wines, which people didn't really know about that much, versus you know the French wines, mm. and they had like a blind tasting contest, and there was a lot of uproar because sometimes the California wines got scored higher than france and it was like a big deal because they're kind of like who are these who are these californian hicks right upstarts right right. yeah yeah yeah. versus our long tradition uh french tradition of wines and so this was a big deal uh all also made into a movie starring alan rickman called bottle shock oh Oh. inspired by by true events inspired by ah It's looking pretty even here. Let's do let's do two more questions. I'll throw in throw in two hard questions. Uh, here we go. DC and Marvel are two of the biggest comics rivalry. Before DC became DC and Marvel became Marvel, what were their previous company names? Before DC was called DC, before Marvel was called Marvel. Do you know what their previous company names were? There's, I have all of them up, so if you get any one of them, you'll get oh, a point. Man, this is this oh, okay. is in the punch bowl. Okay. I've had this, yeah. It's hard, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. It's not Detective Comics, right, <laughs> which right, is what right. DC stands okay, for. Okay. Uh, throw in a fun name if you don't know. I'm gonna be so mad at this one, Karen. I, I feel like you would know no, for sure. I know. I it's uh, once upon a time it would have come right right to the front yeah. of my brain here. All right, answers okay. up. Here we go. Colin put action comics and tales of suspense. Uh, Dana, you put action comics and really good comics. Really good comics. You know what? <laughs> that's, that's pretty close. And then, uh, Chris, can you read out your answer? Exciting comics and American <laughs> comics, because I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it, it's so yeah. generic. So yeah. DC is known uh, by many things, including national comics. National, uh, oh, national so publications, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> pretty close. And then Marvel before was called Atlas, mm. um, and even before that was mm. Timely Publications. Timely, I that, timely. that was the one man that was way in huh. the punch bowl. Wow. Timely, this is yeah, this is okay. some deep Woo. cuts. Hey, sometimes um, trivia yeah. is hard. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Last last question, please have some room on your piece of paper. Um, I will time you for this. 
We know that the two biggest boy band rivalries, probably between NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. I'll give mm-hmm. you 30 seconds and please name me as many Backstreet Boys members and NSYNC members. <laughs> oh, First Lord. name's okay. okay. First name, you don't have to do full name. If you do full name, I'll be very impressed. But so as you guys are writing, boy band rivalry was at its highest with NSYNC versus Backstreet Boys. If you can, please name all 10 members uh, of Backstreet Boys. I'm going to predict that I am dead last on this list. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see if I can this is 10 points. exceed my own expectations. <laughs> there are also other international boy bands. Westlife <laughs> was very big. Um, Take That also. A yeah. British boy band, the the boy band where Robbie Williams came from. Yeah. Of uh, course, there was NKOTB. All right. Okay. <laughs> Please. I answer. Mm. Uh, you know what? Why don't you guys read? I feel like we had a really heated competition here until this one. <laughs> 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 you know, sometimes trivia is hard. <laughs> right. Some, sometimes trivia is hard man that's yep. right all right I got, well, how about i'll go first since i'm i okay. i feel pretty confident that i am okay. not going to uh, lead the pack here okay. i got uh i got uh justin timberlake yeah i got correct. uh joey fatone mm-hmm. correct i got also from uh, lance lance bass yes um, also from NSYNC. Uh, is, is there a Mikey Pickles in any of these? No, no. no? Oh, okay, yeah. all right then. I'm I'm gonna stop there then. So I think I got myself three here. Is what we're looking at. Before I, okay. before we get into the answers that I wrote down, in the hopes of of, of getting some bonus points here, I did write down all okay. five members of Four Town, which I think should count for something. <laughs> From Turning no. Red. Exactly. It's Robert, Aaron T, Aaron Z, Tay Young, and Jesse. Um, now, as far as the actual question, I put Justin Timberlake, Joey, <laughs> Nick, was Nick Lachey in any of these or no? no? Was he in something? He's in 98 degrees. Oh, oh, son of a gun. All right. So Justin, Justin and Joey then. Okay. Dana. <laughs> okay so yeah, Justin Timberlake, Joey Fatone, Lance Bass, JC Chazé, and oh. Chris Kilpatrick. Correct. Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick. I was like, I yeah, it was like Chris okay. K something. Yeah. Um, and then Backstreet Boys, there's Nick Carter. There's mm. there's a Kevin something. Kevin, Kevin Richardson. Richardson. There's an Aaron Carter, but he wasn't in Backstreet Boys. I was in the NSYNC gang. I'm, I'm in the Backstreet gang. Uh, Nick Carter, uh, Kevin, Brian, Brian, AJ, and AJ. Howie. I knew there were initials, yeah. but I was like, wow. AJ? What's the guy's name? Yeah, AJ. <laughs> Woo! It's good to be humbled every now and then. <laughs> trivia is hard. Trivia is hard. Yeah. Well, that's why we're on a trivia team. Guess what, guys? Dana won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yay. Oh, yeah. Good job. Huh. Yeah. Hey there. I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Well, we've had some good uh, slogan and tagline references Ooh. so far. So this is this is a good uh, segue here for me. Uh, I'm going to give you guys some slogans here, all right? And okay. I want you to tell me 
what product or service is being pitched with these slogans, okay. all right? These are from various times over the last uh, eh, number of years. Don't let the big one get away. Today could be the day. And another one. Somebody's got to win. Might as well be you. <laughs> any any At guesses At first I here? thought it was like pest control. Like don't, <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. let the big one right. get away. Like yeah. lottery. Yes, right. these are yeah. perhaps no surprise. These are state lottery slogans. Um, and, you know, they don't really range all that much, I guess. It's just, hey, you know, you why not? Win. You could do it. Yeah, you <laughs> might you? win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of, lot of variations on dream big and today could be your day. Oh, and yeah. right, you, you know, you got to be don't in it to about, win it. Don't think about the math, you know. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. What taxes? At Christmas uh, in my family, uh, for years and years, we always had a tradition. I'm sure a lot of families have the two of the little lottery scratch-off tickets in the stockings. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, my mom yep. would always yeah. get, uh, you know, a couple little scratch-off tickets. Like, almost invariably, it seems like it, my sister would win $2. It was like, it kind of just came like a running family yeah. joke. None of us would ever win. My sister would win the $2. And, but that's yeah. still exciting. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. man. Especially if you're like a kid. a kid. Yeah. I got I got a lottery ticket from your house at a party once, or you guys gave lottery. I didn't steal yeah. it. You gave oh, it to me. I got yeah. $5 and then I just carried it in my purse for a year mm-hmm. and I never cashed it. We had I another tradition of my house. The second tradition was we would leave the ticket in the stocking for a whole year and forget about it. And then next Christmas we're like, oh yeah, I won $2 that I never claimed $2. and is now oh even more profit to the state of California. We had this tradition also, and I'd never tell you the story of the year that my brother got me a, one of the a prank lottery ticket. You can go to like Spencer's Gifts or whatever and buy a fake scratch off ticket. $25,000. Yeah. So I get it in my stocking and I scratch it off and it says I've won $25,000. And I couldn't, I was like, I I couldn't even believe it. Oh my God. And I look over to the side and I see my mom is sitting at the kitchen table with her head buried in her hands, kind of like laughing. You know what I mean? Because she knew. And, but it was, and, and then I started to realize that something was up because like, this is the sort of prank where it seems like a really funny prank until you do it and you oh, realize man. that it's actually horrible to do that to somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did this they and also can also have very bad like actually a family friend of ours they did this to their daughter and she oh, no. was she was like I am out of here. Yeah. Yeah, so I never never do that. Because it's like she lost twenty five thousand dollars. Like they it stole twenty five thousand dollars from her. You're just That's sitting right, yeah. there in stunned silence the rest of Christmas. <laughs> I thought it would be fun to look into uh, the history and kind of some lore around the state lotteries. Just, I mean, kind of as an American institution. I mean, we have a really big one here in California. Almost every other state has one. Do other countries have government lottery system? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're 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 really 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 common. Almost every country has some version of a national lottery or state lotteries. It's a great way to make money. It really is, and people like to gamble. They really do. Uh, it will not surprise you that lottery itself, the concept, is ancient practically. I mean, in some form or another, the idea of choosing you know something at chance with a, a big payoff. So I started thinking, all right, let me look how lotteries were introduced into America. And 
that did not end up being nearly as interesting as how they were reintroduced into America. Lotteries are really, really, really old. And I guess it shouldn't have surprised me to learn like they had them in the colonies. They had them in the early days of America. They were (laughs) a great way to raise money for the state or for for the municipal government, what have you. But in the late 1800s, Sort of how we had anti-alcohol and temperance movements, there was really a wave of anti-lottery sentiment, all right? Mm -hmm. And up to this point, like in the U.S., it had sort of been kind of, I'm not going to say quasi-legal, but there were a lot of sort of open secret illegal lotteries being run. Okay. But there was a big wave of this is immoral. uh, We got to shut these down. So, you know, in in the U.S., they were kind of shut down or quiet or underground for a while. As sort of these moral panics died off, a lot of states like, we got to get back into the lottery business here. The first uh, sort of resurgent state official lottery was New Hampshire in uh, 1964. Um, rolling through the 70s, rolling through the 80s. It was kind of a domino effect where, you know, once a state would start running a lottery, people would drive across the state border to play the lottery. It's like, you know, hey, why not? You know, I'll go buy a ticket, you know, because they there wasn't really residency restrictions for for these lotteries. And, you know, if you're a state and you see your, you know, speaking of rivalries, Karen, you see your neighboring state starting to pile up I mean, I'm not exaggerating, millions and billions of dollars of revenue. You're like, yeah, I want some of that too. Now, of course, the public relations part of this, they got savvy, right? You know, uh, like the the pitch for almost every state lottery is help the schools, help the seniors, help the public public works. Mm -hmm. You know, it funds our health care. And that is is largely true. I mean, it it does help them. Uh, Most of the money does not go to them necessarily. Um, But states have, you know, uh, written into the laws, like, you know, what percentage has to go to the state or has to go to education. The raw number might surprise you um, uh, how much (laughs) actually goes to education versus pay it out back out to winners. But look, it it is money in California going to education. It is money in other places. Yeah. So like I I was saying, uh, we really got into it, my family in the 80s. The California authorized the lottery in a ballot initiative in 84 um, uh, with uh, 58% of the public approved. The first California Scratchers ticket went uh, went on sale in 1985. I learned that Scratchers is a registered trademark of the oh. California uh, Lottery Commission. Yeah. There are some fun uh, lottery variants around the world. Uh, so as as you guys know, my wife and her family are from Taiwan. Karen, you are, of course, from Taiwan. Oh, our receipts? Uh, the receipt lottery is so fantastic, which is a way of forcing, you know, <laughs> businesses to make sure they issue you a receipt if you can then cash in a number on, the on books. that receipt. Yeah, that's right. Books. For a state run lottery. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh. There have been a lot of really kind of interesting security goofs and protocols over the years. Uh, so, like I mentioned, the lotto, you know, where they draw the numbers with the little kind of little puffer ball things that yeah. know, shoots, shoots them yeah. up through the thing, right? You know, it was a really big deal. I mean, they still televise it, but like, you know, in the 80s and 90s, I feel like it was almost like appointment TV. You're like, oh, yeah. they're drawing the lotto numbers. Yeah. It's going to, you know, tune in and watch it. Choosing random numbers is hard. I mean, the, this this is a known problem of choosing reliably random numbers is hard, right? Um, there's there's an anecdote I, I heard years ago about like, if you go to Las Vegas, and you're watching the roulette wheel, and black 
17 comes up three times in a row. Should you bet on black 17? You know, and sort of the, the, the trick answer is like, no, of course not. The numbers are all independent. Just because black 17 came up three times, it doesn't mean mm. it's more likely to come up. But a lot of savvy gamblers will tell you like, oh, if you see a roulette wheel play the same number, it's probably busted or biased yeah, physically somehow. Like so physics. you go ahead and play. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So the lottery system, uh, in order to avoid ah. people tracking I mean, because look, you got money on the line. I guarantee you there are people who track the numbers every week. I mean, they're required by law to track the the numbers, but you know, um, so the balls themselves to avoid any possible bias they don't even know about. They have most states that run these machines. They have multiple sets of equipment. Okay. They have multiple sets of the balls and the little shooter and the hopper, and they will run a pre lottery or a pre draw either the day or the evening before of the draw to choose which of the machines will be used to run the actual draw so that even the lottery officials themselves don't know and try and hide the bias. Right. Right. I mean, it makes sense, but it's really interesting. I never thought about it. Do that. it digitally. Well, Which so here's true. the thing, Karen. I mean, look, any instead of the balls, there's no such thing as as truly random. We'll tell you there is yeah. no such thing as okay. a truly random computerized number, right? It's all pseudo random. So, so yeah, doing physical numbers is actually the safest way to do it. So, all right, I'm gonna close out here uh, with a few questions for you guys. This will be some write down. Get a pen. Get your paper. I mentioned my family's, our family's, scratch off scratcher tradition. What year do you guys think the scratch-off instant win lottery ticket was introduced? Because for the long time, you know, keep in mind the lotteries were raffle style, okay? It was, again, like you're just, you're buying a ticket, you're getting the number. But yeah, the idea that you're getting something taken at home, maybe in your car, instant win. That's right. Instant win scratch-off lottery ticket. So it was before 1984, right? Yeah, that that's right. You know, it's no later yeah. than that. You know, it's no later than that. All right. Closest two. Closest two will win the point here. Answers up. Karen says 1981. Dana says 1976. Chris says 1982. Dana gets the point. Ooh. 1974. Earlier wow. than I would have thought. Yeah. 1974. Uh, Massachusetts State Lottery. You know, it, it was just an instant hit. You know, in fact, it was called the instant game. No pun intended. It was an instant hit. They were very, very popular. It sounds like within a week, the state had sold $2.7 million worth wow. of scratch off tickets. Yeah. It's fun yeah. too. It's interactive. Yeah. The seventies and eighties was a golden age of, of scratching things. Oh, it totally scratch was. And it, sniff. <laughs> yeah. So there are scratchers, the real big money, the real big money comes from the lotto and the Powerball style uh, drawings. You know, we don't, unlike a lot of countries, we don't have a national lottery per se, but we do have Powerball, which all of these sort of the lottery state by state commissions work together That's because what they the also. Yeah, it's a, that's really that Powerball is kind of just like a consortium of of the state the lotteries. States yeah, mm-hmm. that's together. why. So you can you can get such huge, massive uh, payouts. Uh, and in fact, a Powerball payout holds the record not just for the largest payout in American lottery history, but the largest lottery payout ever anywhere in the world uh, was a Powerball jackpot from 2016. Oh. All right, there's going to be another closest two oh, gets no. the point here. 
single largest jackpot shared by three tickets, but I'm looking yeah. for the jackpot amount. Okay. There was a ticket sold in California, ticket in Florida, another one in Tennessee. All right. When you're ready, answers up. Karen has written 300 million. Dana has written 6.2 billion with a B. And Chris has written oh. 32 million. Oh, what a range. I might be, be Dr. Eviling this, actually. I might be way yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say that uh, I believe Karen is actually closest, but you're all off by a bit. The largest jackpot was one. Point five eight six billion dollars. Mm, wow. Oh my god! Right, even when you give yeah. the government its share. Hold on. So <laughs> it costs money to buy a ticket. That money goes to the government. Then, if you win, pretty much half of that goes back to the government as taxes. Quite a racket, <laughs> am, I, am I crazy? Is that what it? The uh, lottery yeah. winnings are taxed. I mean, I mean, it depends on your state, but lottery winnings are taxed at a very high rate. That's true, right? And a lot of them. So, like this one is a good example. A lot of the winnings, some of those will offer. You can take a one-time cash payment, or you can take an annuity, right? You know, over twenty years. So, some of the really, really large payments, it's it's obligated. Like you cannot take a lump sum. Like you're required to take yeah. it over the you know. X number of years uh and you know the states will earn money i mean they'll earn interest on that money they have to set it aside they have to have it to pay but yeah in the long run you know the state is is coming out just fine again the theme of the state lotteries it's a great way to make money um what a beautiful what a beautiful game (laughs) when you get to pick the rules that's right that's right In the spirit of the one point per answer here, uh, five potential points on the table here. Still anyone's game. There are currently only five states that do not run a state lottery. Okay. Hmm. Five states. Now, this is a little tricky, but I think it's more than just random guess. I think you might be able to reason some, maybe most, maybe all of these out, which five states one point each do not run a state lottery and maybe you okay. can think about some some other some reasons why white might a state not want to run a lottery maybe there are powerful interests against it maybe they don't have the pressure i don't know what are some, what are some reasons what are, what are some reasons that a state might turn down these billions of dollars in revenue you know california is not one you know, New York is yes. not one. Yeah. You know, Massachusetts <laughs> is not one. Right. <laughs> okay. 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 Answers up. Karen has written Alaska, Hawaii, Nevada, Utah. I will tell you, Karen, you've got four of the five. Wow. Excellent. And then question mark. Oh. I, I and then question mark. One. And then question mark. I put, okay. I put uh, Alaska, Hawaii, and Utah. I also put Rhode Island and Delaware because they're really small. I don't know. Small states. Mm. I had Hawaii, Utah, Alaska, and then I put Rhode Island as well, and I put Vermont randomly. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you guys. All right, you guys did really good. You clued in here. Some right? logic. Yeah. Yeah. Logic. Yeah. Well, we'll see if your logic matches here. I mean, so you know, let's start with Utah. There is a lot of uh, religious opposition. Yeah. You know, being a, a very heavily Mormon state, it's a big part of it. 
Nevada, huge opposition from the casino ga- <laughs> gaming institution. They do not want the state horning in on their uh, <laughs> their racket. So uh, yeah, a <laughs> That's lot of interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is interesting. It's almost it's like where's the uh, honor among thieves here, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hawaii and Alaska. So it's interesting. Uh, in no small part, they just simply don't have the pressure from yeah. adjacent states. You know, seeing the revenue go up um, uh, that they need to uh, feel the need to cash in. And then the fifth one is uh, Alabama. Uh, and again, largely for religious reasons, there's a lot of opposition, uh, in the state. Uh, it's fairly conservative state, you know, again, we'll see, uh, how long these, these states can hold out, uh, until, until just a couple years ago, Mississippi was on this list as well. Uh, again, a state with a lot of big gaming casino interests, but just, you know, as as well, Mm. yeah, but just was not able to sort of hold back the tide governor of Alaska. Like Alaska is pushing for a state lottery an official state lottery. They're, they're sort of in a quasi state right now where it sounds like there's some sanctioned lotto type events but it's not an official state lottery um so yeah good good job guys all right so four points to karen there i think karen is our winner here well done all right before this episode ends i have my final wordle listener challenge uh as you guys have heard for the past two episodes i've developed this kind of like wordle game that we can play on the podcast the premise of this puzzle is pretend there is a person who is playing wordle and all you have as information is their five wordle word attempts can you use this information and work backwards to figure out what the correct answer word is uh now this person again, is a very casual Wordle player, meaning they don't bench or bank letters. They will never repeat wrong letters. If they get a letter right, they'll always use it in their next guess. If they get a letter in the right place, uh, they will always keep that letter there for their next guess. So uh, the last two times I shared and I read out the words, this time I'm going to make it a little bit harder and uh, I'm going to give you trivia questions. And the answer for these are going to be the five letter words in order. So here we go. So word number one, cartoon lab rat brains partner, cartoon lab rat brain, the name brain brains partner. Second word. Franzia is famous for what kind of wine? The brand Franzia is famous for what type of wine? Third word. Uh, This comes in many varieties, including Bavarian and Devonshire. 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 Bavarian and Devonshire. What? Uh, Word number four. The animals that barnacles are named after. (laughs) Number four. The word is the animals that barnacles are named after. And word number five. Pound of blank. A Shakespearean demand for payment. Pound of blank. A Shakespearean demand for payment. And if you know the answers to these five clues, and then you can backwards solve to find out what the final Wordle answer is, you can head over to goodjobbrain.com and you'll see a Wordle section and you can put in your answers there. So good luck. All right. 
And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about, about lottos, about cooking contests, about balloon balloon fails, um, and about rivalries. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all podcast apps. And on our website, goodjobbrain.com. This podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and to listen and subscribe to other shows like Everything Everywhere Daily, Legends of the Old West, and the Pirate History Podcast. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.